Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Whiskey Raiders podcast. Tonight, we have one of the most interesting whiskeys I think that has ever crossed our desk. And I don't say that because it is truly the most interesting whiskey. I say that because it could be the most interesting whiskey, or it could just be the, the strangest PR experiment we have ever seen. But before we go ahead and dive into that tonight, John and I have a fun episode for you here. This is going to be a little off the beaten path, but in a cool way, a way I think you'll enjoy. Uh, let's check in. How are you doing, John? I'm doing well. I am excited about A, what we're going to be talking about, but B, what we're going to be drinking. And I think we can blend those two things together to really have some fun. I I really think that they are one and the same. We have, I mean, all the time stuff shows up across our desk. We kind of call it, you know, we we talked in the last episode, like we, we talk about listener mailbag, like the emails and texts that people send us that they want us to cover. But like we haven't as much talked about our actual mailbag, which is the stuff that comes in through the mail. And I want to say that most things come in small boxes and a few things come in in medium-sized boxes. And just every now and then, something comes in in a gigantic, heavy, metal, wooden <laughs> box. And a that is... A 19-pound box. Right. A box that my I was away recently and my wife said, you got this box and it's so heavy and I can't tell if it's one bottle or several, but whatever, I don't care. You can just open it when you get home. And I was like, oh, that's really fascinating. It's probably just several bottles. And no, it turns out it was just a single bottle of whiskey in a really ornate box. And we are talking about a single malt whiskey, but from a producer, I don't think we would have just ever expected to cross our desk. So I don't know if you just want to jump into it or not, but this is, I'm looking forward to tonight. This will be, be a fun one, I think. Yeah, I mean, I'm already into it. I've been nosing this for a while. I have a few sips already just because, you know, I have to get into the whiskey and try it out. But we are definitely very, uh, I guess, um, I'm not even sure of the right word here. Like, I feel a combination of excited. Wait, wait, what was the one that you used recently? Uh, Scaroused? Yeah, I think that fits. I think this is a scaroused type of moment here. We've got (laughs) Whistlepig's first delve into the pool of single malt whiskey and they drop a bomb of saying we're coming into the world here with a 21 year single malt whiskey which there's a lot to dissect in just the press release alone so we should spend a little bit of time talking about that i think and probably a good amount of time talking about the liquid itself how good the whiskey is or is not and then also the fact that there's only 18 barrels of this anyway which i also have to wonder what the hell is the yield on 18 barrels of 21 year North American single mile, right? But like, we'll get to that part. Let's kind of like take this from the top. Yeah. From tip to tail, this is just weird. And, and this was strange enough, you know, uh, whiskey readers podcast, obviously we're, we're associated with whiskeyreaders.com where we're covering the news and the reviews of all this type of stuff. But uh, we saw that this label came through the TTB, which is the the trade, uh, the tax and trade organization that kind of goes over approving labels for new products. But when something is approved by the TTB, it doesn't mean that product will become real. And we've seen some companies use this as market research, like they'll put in ten labels and use only one, and based on what people's perception is. But like when you go through that process, we're like, this is a twenty one year old single malt, but it's going to be bottled by Whistlepig. And then furthermore, they put out a press release about it. And the Whiskey Raiders team and I were like, I don't know if this is real. Like, this could be a gag. 
this could land a little bit ahead of April Fools, which is coming up. Like we're in this True. treacherous period where we're a couple weeks away from the biggest gag holiday for new products that there is. So right. like, hold I on to your even, butts. <laughs> like what's real and what isn't? We got a pit viper label. Like I just don't even know which way is up and down anymore. But then clearly it's real because this like 20 pound box showed up on my doorstep. And now we've got a 21 year old single malt from Whistle Pig, which is not in their wheelhouse whatsoever. But here it is. Yeah, I mean, so the title of the press release is that Whistlepig declares a new dawn with super-aged single malt. And, I mean, right off the hop here, they start out with, where normally in your whiskey-based press release, it will give you the location of the distillery or the brand or whatnot. The producer itself will be listed as the very first thing in bold print. And Whistlepig decides to crank this one right out with Glen Oink as the first <laughs> thing they say. So it's like, I feel like from the hop here... We are either taking the piss out of scotch, which could be a cool way, like a cool approach to this in some way. Right. Or they're like totally just having a laugh at everybody in the whiskey world. Like, I can't believe people are going to read this. Like, let's wind them up. This will be a great time. We'll have a good laugh. I mean, there's like so many things in here that read as what could be perceived as a joke. And to me, like as I'm going through this, I was like, okay, there's like... A lot of stuff in here I don't totally even understand. And then a lot of stuff in here that it's like, okay, actually, this does sound like it could be a real product that we're talking about a 21-year single malt. It's a North American single malt. So they're calling it the the world's first super-age single malt from North America. Like, that in and of itself sounds cool and historic. But like then some of the other things in there, it's like, okay, there's only 18 barrels of this thing. They're calling it The Beholden. There's crazy accenting on the word beholden. So I don't know if there's supposed to be a different pronunciation that I can do. I don't even know. I mean, they got What's a tilde on? on the E and an umlaut, I think, that is on the O. And there's no reason for either of those to exist. I just don't totally understand the word side of this. Like, So putting this all down into literature is very confusing to me. But when we look at like the shelf talker, like the fact sheet here, it starts breaking it down into things that make a lot more sense where... This is something that is a 21-year aged in American American oak. So it's like an ex-bourbon barrel. And right. then on top of that, they finish this for four weeks into in their own Whistlepig rye barrels. So that to me says, okay, this should have like a nice underlying sweet layer. It may even kick up a little bit with spice. Four weeks in the rye, I don't know what that's going to do to it. But I also don't really know what a 21-year North American single malt is like anyway. So right. I, it's very, very interesting and kind of weird. Uh, a scarouth comes to mind again. <laughs> right when I was convinced that this like couldn't possibly be real, I mean, they they say they come out and say it, but they say it quietly. They say it's the oldest North American single malt, and clearly there can only be one oldest single malt producer. So, assuming that they aren't taking any liberties, this was distilled at Glenora. Uh, which is up in Nova Scotia, Canada. And if there's one thing Whistle Pig is really known for, it's taking old whiskey from Canada and right. bringing it down to Vermont and finishing it in their own whiskey barrels. And so, like, obviously we know it's real now, but it was just what a wild ride. And the fact is, like, Whistle Pig always puts a premium on stuff. And we knew, if, all right, if there's only 18 barrels of this and it's super limited and they're going to make a big deal out of it, it's going to be expensive. But the one thing 
I didn't expect was that this was going to be more expensive than Boss Hog, which is a product they spend so much time hyping up and just going nuts with and also doing their own teasers and fun. But like, this is an $800 bottle of whiskey. And if you look at Glendronic 21 from Scotland, it's like $300 or $400. So this is every way you look at it, this is an experiment. It's an experiment in branding. It's an experiment in pricing. I think it's going to be an experimental flavor. Uh, and it's bottled at 46%. So I'm I'm just kind of, I'm curious. I'm so, so curious. Yeah, I really, I mean, this release makes its own gravy in so many ways. Uh, I mean, to your point earlier where you were saying how this is something that has to have been distilled, like they can't obviously disclose or are not disclosing where it was, but they do mention that these were stills made in Scotland and that mm-hmm. were shipped here and used here. Like they give enough detail that you could potentially track down where this came from, which I think is an interesting sort of like treasure map for the whiskey nerd who wants to dive deeper into the history of it, find out where it potentially came from. But it also is true to their roots, right? I mean, Whistlepig was founded on, I think when they first released their product, Dave Pickerel had said, I think their wording was that they had liberated this excellent 10 plus year... Alberta rye whiskey that was being underutilized and they wanted to bring it to the market in the best way possible. And by putting their price on it at what they thought was the most somebody would pay for this whiskey that, you know, they really, they did set a premium for sure. I mean, pricing these things at 90 plus dollars, especially in, you know, over 10 years ago, climate. Yeah. Over 10 years ago, really when they were really starting to kick this thing off that it was kind of interesting to see like, how are they going to ever sell that? Like that sounds so expensive. And then, like, look at the whiskey market now. They, I mean, they fit right in there like a glove at 90-ish to 100-ish bucks for a 10-year product is no longer anything that somebody's concerned with. So in that way, they were kind of pioneering, which makes me think there's definitely room for them to be ahead of the curve here, especially with how many things are starting to twist up into the whiskey world with different finishes, uh, you know, different categories of American single malt, really, really coming in strong this year, wheat whiskey exploding a lot, like these new formats, I think there's so much room for them and so much interest in them that there's a lot that could happen here. So maybe the, there is a joke, but like the joke is kind of on us because like, holy <laughs> shit, maybe these guys know what they're doing. And, and I think it really says something for a brand. Whistlepig has done a really good job of being ultra serious and also ultra satirical or ultra um, self-deprecating at times. Like they released the piggy bank and the spout was the butt. And you know, when you create custom glass that the glass producer wasn't like, well, the only way this works is if the butt is the spout, like someone made that choice. And I think I sometimes wonder if I agree with it or I disagree with it and I go back and forth. But ultimately, I do find some I find some respect for whiskey producers that can say, like, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we have. It's going to be super limited and it has to be expensive. Maybe it doesn't have to be $800, but Whistlepig will take that extra cut when they can. But also, like, deep down, they're like, and also let's maybe have some fun with it. Maybe if this is going to be a one-off, like we kind of mentioned, like they potentially have a Pit Viper release coming, yeah, which isn't hell? that weird for Pit Viper because they work with Twisted Tea and stuff. I think the only 
interesting part there is the premiumization. But like this seems to me like a brand that's not afraid to be serious, but also not serious at all when the situation warrants it. And that's like kind of fun because Heaven Hill would never do this. Like Jim Beam would never start out a sentence with Glenn Oink. And I feel like Whistlepig is just in this weird enough niche where they can partner with Big Poppy of the Boston Red Sox, I think it was, or the Brothers Osborne and do Maple Bat Whiskey and stuff. And it doesn't seem like a gimmick because they're, they just embrace this weird... I mean, I'll just call it what it is. This is weird shit. It makes no sense to me. But every time it seems well enough thought out that I'm like, okay, it's kind of cool. It's weird, but they thought it through and I, I like what it's about. It's fun. It's whimsical in a way that doesn't disrespect the spirit, which other brands do all the time. Uh, so I think I'm kind of here for it. I think it's weird, yeah. but I like it. No, I'm with you. I feel like, and this may just be like uh, my New England color glasses here as I look through this, but I feel like this is getting to be more and more on-brand Vermont. And by that, I mean like Vermont to me is like, you know, being that we're basically neighbors here uh, living in Maine, there's like this very sort of like esoteric, but also like down to earth at the same time, kind of crunchy, like free spirited vibe of Vermont where it's like uh, things are a little bit weird, a little bit out there. And sure, there's a bunch of like crazy ass beers that I might not totally like, but it's (laughs) rooted in like maple syrup too. So everybody like can kind of get together on that one thing. So it's like, you know, you go to this place and it's like, sure, some of these things might seem a little bit weird, a little bit crazy, but then like when you get together over drinks and dinner, everybody's kind of like, you know what, this all does sort of work in a way. And like, I'm not sure if that is like this like inherent DNA of Whistlepig and like, it's just like finally coming out as like they're out of their shell and this is what we're going to get is things that are like a combination of batshit crazy and weird and good all at the same time. Or if there's just, who knows, maybe this is just one more layer to the onion and there's more to go here. I'm just really kind of, I, I don't know if I have a great feel for where they're going, but looking back at where they've been, man, it's been a weird and fun ride. That makes me think of three notes here. And the first one I want to point out is that, yeah, we cover Whistlepig a lot on the show and we're not sponsored by them. We are thankful that they provided these for review. They always... The fun part about Whistlepig is there's never any expectation of anything. Like these just show up. No one contacts us and is like, hey, we hope you'll review this. Hey, we really hope you'll enjoy this. Hey, we worked really hard on this. Please understand like how expensive and rare it is. No, the, the stuff just, it, it it appears on the doorstep, which is cool. Right. Because like they're free spirit and like, I don't know, these guys are going to say whatever they want to say. And, and we're thankful for that. My second note is kind of like, they remind me a lot of Westland. And that like Westland is serious 364 days out of the year. Westland is a single malt producer up in Seattle. And they used to do these just crazy April Fool's releases. Like one was called Bold Smooth. And it was the boldest, smoothest whiskey you ever tasted. And it was like super aged, but then refined and then bottled at 40%. It was kind of a joke, but it kind of wasn't because it was a real product. And they just wanted to see what people would think. And like my third thing is like, it's actually here. Like it's actually real. It's kind of cool. We talk about them a lot because they're an interesting producer who gives us interesting things right. to talk about. And like we will always cover the Heaven Hills and the Jim Beams and the Four Roses of the World because those products are interesting in their own way. 
But I have never seen a company where every time a press release comes through, I'm like, oh, brother, what's this going to be this time? Like, I can guess if it's Evan Hill, like, oh, this, it's about that time for the new Elijah Craig batch. Or, oh, it's yeah. about time for Four Roses Small Batch Limited Edition because it's the fall. But like, with Whistlepig, every time I see that email, I think, oh, my God, what have they been up to? Right, yeah. Because <laughs> it could what be What are they doing now? Yeah, it really could be quite literally anything. So I think at this point here, I want to just get into this, share some notes. Let's talk about it a little bit. And then we can just kind of talk about, like, since we've been on this sort of thread here about, like, weird and crazy shit and the whiskey world together, like, it kind of, to me, segues into what something that I've a little, no, kind of more than a little bit. I, like, I really wanted to sort of address in a way that works for us because I really try to focus on making content that is positive. And by that, I don't mean that I say everything is good. What I'm trying to say with that is that, like, there are so many great things to focus on in the American whiskey world, in the whiskey world in general, but in the American whiskey world in particular, so many great things that we could talk about and focus on and share with everybody that like spending time on the negative side of it just seems almost like a waste of time, but also like it does more harm than it does good. I mean, when you say that you don't like something, that is helpful information. Right. But to then take that a few steps further and like berate a brand or like, trash on what they're doing i i feel like it just like it's kind of a waste of my time to do that so i really focus on the positive side of things all of that said there's plenty of things in the whiskey world whiskey hobbies and whatnot that just like drive me bad shit crazy so as we go through this i, I kind of want to like <laughs> do a little like a segment of things you love and things that you just fucking don't love is yeah. that a technical enough term yeah, I, I think that'll work. I, and I, I I really latch on to that sentiment you shared because we do, I mean, I have proper 12 Apple showed up the other day. And like, I will review that and I, you know, open mind, maybe it's awesome. I kind of doubt it knowing what proper 12 is about. But right. here on the pod, you and I only get about an hour a week to sit down. And so it's at least good to focus on the things we're interested or excited about. And I'll tell you, I am not particularly excited to drink flavored proper 12. So uh, that that's left best, I think, to the reviews and stuff. But like, there's so much to talk about here. And like this, this has so much potential, which I think is the perfect episode. Like we might drink this and be like, actually, you know what, I just don't think this works. But like, this is not a willfully, terribly made product. I don't think like, I don't think whistle pig was like, cool, we're gonna sell this $800 product. And like, yeah, it sucks. Like, jokes on these guys who bought it like i i think that they truly are releasing this because they think there's something special about it so i'm i'm good to dig in because i know that there's some stuff we're gonna love and maybe some stuff we don't love quite as much sure so this is right off the bat on the nose i am finding it to be very interesting actually i get like a like actually the first thing that kind of pops out to me is and i mean this in a good way is the like Christmassy vibes of a fruitcake. And it sort of like dances out of the glass with this like slightly nutty, sweet, fruity, and kind of like almost like spice cake sort of vibe, which is really kind of fun. Like there is these like mixing layers of things in there that I hadn't really expected. Not that I really had a great expectation of what a North American single malt would be like. <laughs> so like, of course I'm in my mind thinking like, okay, maybe sort of like a Highland single malt, like 
scotch like uh, what is the baseline here what should i be expecting don't really know like should i think of this more as like an american single malt or more like it sounds to me like this is sort of designed to be more like a european style whiskey so i'm thinking go ahead no i was to say i think what i'm most excited about for this bottle is to actually i'm excited to taste it but i'm excited to watch you taste it because uh, speaking respectfully, I drink scotch all the time. I know you drink scotch from time to time, but if I like put you in a paper bag with a bunch of scotch, like I don't know if you could find your way out. And so, right, like I think it's really interesting. Like this is targeted towards the American drinker, but with a profile I suspect is not going to line up with the American drinker at all. So, like I am here for what you're throwing out. So, I mean, right off the bat, man, I'm kind of into the nose on this. I think going expanding a little bit from where I was like with the toffee fruitcake kind of there's almost like I could, if you told me that this spent a little bit of time in a wine cask I'd believe you because of those red fruits that are in there and then there's like this big underlying like maple cream maple butter maple candy kind of thing going on too that I think is really kind of elevating this I don't get a ton of spice out of it on the nose it's there but it's not like it's not driving the way that the sweeter notes are and there's oak in there too, but it's not like in an overpowering way. So again, those uh, ex-bourbon barrels not going to have as much wood influence on this is definitely exciting to me. And I don't know how much of this you've been sipping. I've been going a little bit here as we were going through our intro. And I- I'm ready to talk about that a little bit if you are. This has a lot more character than I expected. I expected 21 years up in Canada to be a very kind of neutral spirit. And then this ride to add like a big quick spice, like an immature spice right on the finish. And this is the complete opposite of my expectation. This is rich and syrupy and bold and complex on the palate, despite the fact that this is bottled at 92 proof. So 46% ABV. It's got a lot more going on than I ever expected in a big, rich, desserty way. It's very like pound cake, tobacco, kind of like a plum and spice drop, but in a in a cool way. And I think the rye finish is just a kiss of spice on the finish. And I'm okay with that. Like That's exactly yeah. what I was hoping because it feels weird to me too, other than Whistlepig's brand identity. of Like, oh, we we finished stuff on the farm. Like this, at 21 years of age, should not have needed anything to give it any more life. Like 21 years in a barrel should be plenty for anything. So right. I'm happy that this doesn't taste like a very faint single malt that's just been absolutely bludgeoned by a rye finishing cask. Where it feels to me... It's got a ton of single malt flavor. It's big, bold, and rich. And then just a, just a little kiss of spice on the finish, which is Yeah, nice. that's... No, that's a good perspective. I feel like there are some times where we get a product that we taste through review, or at least that I do this, where I kind of find it's like, okay, this is good. And mm-hmm. as I'm going through it and doing, you know, two, three, four different tastings of it, trying to really nail down what a score is going to look like, I start to feel like, man, I just wish this had a little more oomph. And yeah. that sometimes might be proof points. So that sometimes might be a little bit more depth on the nose, or it might be that the finish kind of falls off. And with this one, it's like, this kind of has that oomph. And I feel like it's proofed perfectly, really. I don't find myself wishing for more. Like, it doesn't drink underproof and it doesn't drink hot either. I feel like it's just right on. Like, if this were. If you fluctuated this within more than five proof points, I feel like it would probably fall off from where it performs greatly. And I think that really shows a lot of prowess in blending and proofing at 
Whistlepig and knowing how to make this thing come out the way they wanted it to. And so far, right here, man, as I dig through this, like I get this really good, like maple kind of kick on the finish, too. Like there's this maple and rye spice that kind of dance together nicely that I really do like on the finish. It's so far, I feel like I really kind of dig this. It's it's a gold star that I have to give to Whistlepig because there are a few brands who can release something that's proofed down and like clearly this is proofed because they do this kind of stuff all the time. But this has a really satisfying character to it despite being 92 proof. Like I would be curious to try it higher, but I don't feel like it needs to be higher. And I felt that way previously about their 18-year rise that right. they release and they've started to finish. And those I'm always curious, like, ah, I wish it had a little more. Um, but I think that they proof them well. Like, I I would not, in the same stroke, make a bid for this to be proofed any lower. I think the only thing worse than, you know, than not proofing at cast strength is probably just way under proofing. And this would probably suffer quite a bit at 40%. And they would have gotten more bottles out of it that way. They would have sure. made a lot more money. But this... It feels weird to say 46% is totally fine. And, I, and I'm usually happy to drink scotch. Like I'll drink it at cast strength, but like most scotch around 100 proof or 96 proof or 92 proof does the job just fine for me as long as it's thoughtfully made and as long as it has a viscosity and that character on the palate. And this has all of that. And I, I'm i like kind of saying it back to myself like a little bit incredulously, but this product on paper doesn't seem like it should work. And it's right. working really nicely in the glass on my first taste. Like I'm, I'm kind of surprised here, like a, that it's real and B that it's good. So would you say that we kind of moved from scaroused into like skir prized here? Like this is like <laughs> moving into newer territory. Like, and not only is this thing crazy on paper, but it's also like out of the glass, pretty damn good really, which to me is, I don't want to say surprising in a bad way, but it's surprising because I had no, fucking clue what we were getting ourselves into with a North right. American single malt that was finished in Rycast is 21 years old. Like, is this the new bar for North American single malt? I have no fucking clue. But for me, this is definitely something that I could put a pin in this, but like, let's come back to this and use it at least as a benchmark for other things. If, if they are going to continue with this category, who knows if they will. Right. But it's a very cool jumping off point. It's interesting because I think they picked the most extreme diving board in the pool. Like there's yeah. the there's the five year old American single malt diving board, and then there's the single malt producers who have been around for a while who maybe have some like eight to ten year stocks. But then no, there's this one lone Nova Scotian diving board that's like sixty seven feet high, and you only get to jump once because the diving board's going to fall apart because and it's ice water, and it's ice water because it's Nova <laughs> Scotia. Like right. get an oyster on your way up, but. So I'm hesitant to make this a baseline for anything because it's so far outside the norm unless they turns out they bought a lot of these barrels and they haven't told anyone, which could be. I mean, we never knew that this was coming, but right. it, it's just, it's bizarre to me that this is where they started. It's working. I don't know, like Westland or Westward out on the West Coast, like they're not going to uncork a 21 year because they've only been around for a decade or so. Right. But, and so they're kind of working in a different direction. Like I feel like Whistlepig might have started with the magnum opus of what they had available. And we're like, ha ha ha, we're here. We do single malt now, you know, and it's going to get younger and younger from here. But I'm mostly just kind of enthralled at the fact that they 
this was all the spaghetti they could have made all year round and they just threw it all in one big batch and for me it's it's sticking and i'm curious what next year's spaghetti is going to look like i'm with you on that so this is like i think they worded this as their spring release for this year right makes me wonder if there's another one coming next year i mean they only rolled out 18 barrels of this did they have 300 barrels and next year we're going to see a 22 year 23 as they go on who knows i'd be mm. very interested to see that Oh. Um, love to, uh, as we visit the farm over the next few months, love to poke around the storage and see what's kicking around in the warehouse down there and see what type of things are aging. But yeah, this is pricing this above boss hog to me was crazy because I spoke about this with one of my buddies recently. We were talking about this release and he had asked like, do you know what it's going to cost? And I said, I have no idea yet. Like all we've seen is that it exists probably. And it might end up being a real thing. And then March 1st, they rolled out the press release saying, yeah, here it is. It's 800 bucks, which is, you know, more. Boss Hog went up this year from 500 to 600. But still, this is at 800, a pretty good step up, which uh, obviously yeah. tells us that it cost them a lot to get their hands on it. And then <laughs> a lot to, you know, it's got great packaging, which there's obviously tons of money wrapped up in that. But like, uh, this just like I have so many questions when this comes out. Like, what what happens to Boss Hog next year? What happens to other age dated expressions that are going to be old? Because like, the dollar signs are obviously working. They're going to keep going up. And, and this is not just whistlepig. This is the whiskey world in general. So like, do we see a thousand dollar release next year? Oh man, we totally could. And I got to say. I mean, Whistlepig knew that they were going to have to do something to sell this release. Like, it is cool on paper now that we know it exists. But, like, the Boss Hog came in cool packaging last year. It had a custom pewter topper, whatever. But it came in a box that was essentially embossed cardboard with some brass buckles. And I got to say that the box on this Whistlepig, the Beholden, I refuse to pronounce it any other way than the Beholden. Because, like... I haven't heard someone tell me otherwise, and I'm sure that they have some like real nasal pronunciation with all these special characters. But this thing is made out of wood and metal and buckles and sliders, and the sliders go different directions based on how you want to open it. Like this bottle, I mean, this box must have cost at least like $37. Like they put a lot into a fairly whimsical release. So I, I think there's a good chance we will see more of it, and this is maybe... You know, I, I kind of speculated maybe this was the top and they'd get younger. But if they're going to go older, they're going to have to get more expensive. And I think you're totally right. We could be looking down a $1,000 whistle pig release. And I've only seen that from Rabbit Hole. And their product was super good. And I would happily pay a grand for it, which is a privilege I understand. But the list of American whiskeys that MSRP is $1,000 is just so shockingly small. It is for now. I think we're trending that way. And like we spoke about this actually when we reviewed the uh, Barrelcraft Spirits gold label. Oh yeah. We we had suggested that now that they have checked off a flagship, a gray label and a gold for nearly all of their stuff in their evergreen line, do we see a platinum come out? Like are they going to roll out a 25 year age dated something that is the platinum that comes out at a thousand bucks. Like I think there's room for that to be in the cards anyway. Like the way American whiskey has been trending, like 
new products are releasing at decent price levels for sure. Like a lot of this, uh, a lot of stuff coming in the 50 ish dollar price range and some even lower, but like also the premium category is massive. And you see a lot of stuff coming out there, like other brands releasing things. It could be their very first release and it's 130 to 150 bucks. Like if that's like where you're getting into the pool, that if that's the shallow end, how deep does the pool get for you? So I think that there's room for that to happen for sure. I think we could see that happening. And this is by no means a prediction. I just think that there is a world where this exists. And to uh, roll back a little bit, I want to talk just briefly about things that we love and things that we don't here. As we like continue to sip this surprisingly cool and unique, innovative, delicious whiskey. <laughs> I mean, I love the viscosity on this. Like, this is really rich for 46% ABV. And I love I love how much flavor it has. And that's going to sound really weird because you're like, well, Jay, how can it be 21-year-olds and not have flavor? But this right. happens all the time. Like, there are totally lifeless high-age statements. Single-grain whiskeys in Scotland, there are totally high-age, totally flavorless things coming out of Canada in other grain bills. And so for me, the fact that this doesn't just taste like butterscotch and ethanol in in an easily consumable pour, like this has some real complexity to it. And I love that. I I think it's really great. The the big downside for me is the finish is kind of quick. Like it's just like, oh, you know, oop, it's gone. And I think that that's where the proof could kind of bump it up. And, And my biggest pet peeve is like, this this latch is hard to get shut. Like it is hard, not physically to put this bottle back, but it's hard to get this thing like closed back up and put on the shelf, which is super, super, uh, I don't know, superficial. But if this is 800 bucks, like make it easier to close on up, guys. Okay, I can see that. I did, as I first opened this up, kind of struggle with the latch side of it, mostly because like I'm like half man, half bear, half pig. And I didn't want to like... <laughs> break this new box that like I hadn't even tasted the whiskey from. Right. So I was doing my best to be very gentle with this. So like the front of the box uh, to the listener here, if you want to try to picture what this is, is sort of like a two door, like a French door style closing box. Yep. And has a metal sliding hasp over the front of it with magnetic, I believe they're magnetic anyway, detents that you can slide this metal hasp like from the right to left or left to right. And when that thing is out of the way, you can then open up the French door style box itself. And I damn near ripped that thing off at first trying to pull it open. I was like, oh, <laughs> idiot, it doesn't pull open. You need to slide it. So it's like almost in my mind thinking like, should this have come with instructions for like people like me who are just tough on equipment and break everything? And then eventually as I kind of got through it, I was like, okay. Now we got this thing open. Now let's take the bottle out. And the bottle itself was in there so tight that I was like, oh, I right. feel like I'm going to break it again. Like, here right. we go. What this hidden th- restraint is there that right. I'm missing that I'm about is, to just like shred out of this Right? Box. Do I need to get an app on my phone and like tell uh, Siri or, or like Alexa or somebody to like <laughs> unlock the bottle? Like, what am I supposed to do to get this out? So that was definitely a hurdle, but I wouldn't call it like a, a massive deal, but definitely something where I guess with great packaging comes great responsibility. I'm with you. And, it, you know, I complained a little bit. Like, I love how tightly this bottle fits in the box because I did blow up a blood oath a couple of years ago when I was like, oh, how do you open this? And then the top slid 
just clean off and the bottle just boop it just rolled right, right past me <laughs> and just blew up like it christened my new house there was blood out everywhere and i was like damn so i i can appreciate like this is a very secure bottle um in a very secure box that is kind of like the da vinci code uh, but it only costs you $8 to see the Da Vinci Code in theaters, and this is going to cost you 100 times that to see in person. But, I mean, overall, what really matters is that the whiskey is impressing me more than I expected. I wish it had a little more finish, but I am also really satisfied that the rye spice is super minimal. I'm glad that the rye is a complete, it feels like an afterthought to me. It feels like just a little spice on top, just a little nuance. And that, for me, is, is really... A selling point. I was afraid that they were going to take this beautiful twenty-one-year-old spirit and just totally ruin it. I yeah, don't I wasn't. Case. I wasn't sure what that was going to be about when I first was reading. I didn't even catch initially that this had been finished, and so I was expecting this to be a straightforward single ball. And then, as I was reading through the press material a little bit more before I started sipping it, I was like, "Oh, okay." So this is finished in their rye barrels, which I get. Like that puts the whistle pig stamp on it like this makes it a little bit more theirs and if that's all they're doing to it sure whatever i get it that's fine but i think it did bring just a little bit of oomph to the back end which is nice uh, i don't feel like the finish is falling off too short for me i feel like it's i mean it's i wouldn't call it a crazy long finish I mean, it's nothing like the uh the finish of last year's boss hog the mm. siren song it's not like that where it's just like this explosion that continually evolves eternally and like never stops changing. But I do feel like it hangs on for a while. It just kind of like, as the mild kick of spice kind of fades off, I get this like, yeah. And, and like anybody from New England is going to instantly, I feel like have this resonate. The maple sugar candies you can get at like any farm or any, maple Hell fair yeah. or any like local fair like that you get one of those like maple sugar candies you pop that in or even like the uh the hard candies they make with those i feel like i get a good layer of that with this that kind of rides it like that's the last thing that's rolling through this finish which is cool like because it starts out with this sort of like cakey kind of like fruity like almost like an apricot drizzle kind of deal there's a little bit of nuttiness in the background too which i kind of dig but overall like I think this thing is more deserty than anything, and I kind of dig it. I'm with you. I mean, this is really nostalgic to me. I did spend a number of years growing up on the East Coast, and I will say uh, with with clarity that the third most important thing I missed from the East Coast behind my parents and lobster rolls is those maple candies that were they were they were damn near everywhere. Like you yeah. could not blink without someone being like a uh, maple candy, and you'd be like, right. oh. Grade A or grade B? I'll take one either way, but I just need to know. Right, yeah, I just want to know for science. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, I got to say, this is far from, you know, we'll, we'll pen full reviews for this. I want to sit down and have a couple more pours of this. But for sure, yeah. This bottle has brought so much to talk about because it stands for so many different things in the face of American whiskey and Whistlepig who were like, you know, sometimes we have a Jeff Goldblum moment with them. We're like, yeah, you could, but like, should you have? And this... This works so much better in real life than I ever thought it would on paper. And I've gone from like, what the damn hell to, all right, let me have a couple more pours. I'm, I'm enjoying it. And I, I look forward to getting all these tasting notes down for a full Whiskey Raiders review because it's, it's really turned out to be something interesting. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm very excited to write about this one. Mostly because it's 
there's like just so much. There's a lot of directions we could go with this. But also like the, I think the flavor side of this will be really interesting to discuss and to really kind of put my thoughts down and get on the keyboard hammering out some of these notes here and spend a little bit more time with this thing. Because I mean, here, like we always do with these, it's almost always just the first impression that we're able to do here on the podcast. Right. And most frequently, this is something we've never had before and maybe not even have read all the press material on. So we like to share our thoughts, first impressions and ideas on what it is. But when you want, really want to kind of sink your teeth into the review and hear a real score or like the final tasting notes on everything that we we're able to eke out of the glass, it's best to do that on the websites, of course. But again, fun stuff, a lot of crazy, a little weird, <laughs> no, a lot weird, but like in a way that I'm starting to think I'm, I might enjoy it. I might I'm, I'm like how weird it. it is. I, I love, I mean, it's a weird concept, well executed and you execute it perfectly. And I think it goes without saying like, we love to drink stuff on the pod because it gives you and I a chance, like we've tasted it. Then you and I talk about it here on the podcast. And then we go off and write our independent reviews, which is really cool because we have our own perspectives, but like it gives us a, a, you know, we think about this stuff a little bit deeper than if I was just sitting at the tasting table, writing stuff in a notebook. I love bouncing ideas off of you and getting them back in return. But that's a lot of words to say. Uh, thank you guys for joining us tonight. You can look forward to the full reviews. I mean, uh, John obviously is the uh, is the uh, pilot behind thebourbonfinder.com. So his review will be up at the Bourbon Finder there and on Instagram as well. As always, guys, I am Jay, better known as Take from WhiskeyRaiders.com. You'll see our full review and the aggregate rated score uh, very shortly as well. There's very few bottles of these around, so we'll get it up quick so you know when it shows up your local, whether you should buy or pass. But overall, I mean, this has just been, it's fun, and this was a little bit different format for us tonight, kind of sitting down and just kind of digging into, like, what is this thing and why is it here and I love that. And I know we've got some other weird stuff coming up. So I think that'll be a perfect fit for it because this is a great way to just kind of start to dig into something new and figure out what it's about and get our first taste notes down. Absolutely, man. I'm here for it all. Let's keep getting weird, trying weird stuff, talking about the weird side of it, why it's weird, but also like what makes it good, even if it is batshit crazy. Yeah, it's, it's weird, but I'm here for it. So thank you again, guys. You can catch us, as always, on Thursdays. We are the Whiskey Raiders Podcast, and you can find us anywhere that you get your podcast. Go ahead and share with a friend. If you see this bottle pop up, and whether you pass or buy, we would love to hear from you. And if you do buy it, we would love to know what you think as well. So go ahead and drop us a line. Uh, you can find me at jay at whiskeyraiders.com in the email box. And until next time, we will see you in the next episode. I'm going to go drink more Beholden and pretend that they didn't include all these funny symbols. So cheers, guys. Great idea. Cheers. Cheers.